if you have your Bibles, let's dig into God's Word this morning. Colossians chapter 4 will be where we linger this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can open up with me. Ephesians chapter, excuse me, Colossians chapter 4, and we will start in verse 2 through 6. You know, it's a little bit of a surreal feeling to stand here this morning. For many years, I've made it my habit to come into this room before I preached every sermon and would practice preach every sermon here to an empty sanctuary. So it's weird to see faces, <laughs> bodies in here, a lot more comfortable. Nobody's in here. But at the end of the day, as you're turning and as you're getting there, we've been in a tremendously weird season. And in light of the text that we're going to read this morning, I do want us to stop and simply say thank you to the Lord. So would you join your heart with mine, and let's lift up a a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord for his goodness. Lord, we pause and we say thank you. I don't think any of us at the start of this year would have believed that this is where we would be, that we would have spent the last four or five weeks doing what we've done. But we say thank you. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for being in a place that for, since 1905, has been a place where people can find refuge for their souls. They can find peace in the midst of turbulent seasons. That conviction would hit their hearts and they would leave this place different than when they came in. We thank you for how we have felt your presence amongst our church. We thank you for the beautiful weather that we've enjoyed the past four weeks to be outside. We thank you for the ways in which we have seen your working in a multitude of places. Lord, I thank you for how you have brought unity and peace to our church. I thank you for how you have compelled us forward. Lord, I thank you that we have felt a touch of your power and grace. And so, Lord, we just stop this morning. And we collectively, as a faith family, say thank you. Lord, we're not strong enough, we're not powerful enough, we're not mighty enough, we're not wise enough to do what only you can do. And so this morning, Lord, with the theme of our hearts, with the theme of this church, be thankfulness to you. Would we live out our eternal gratitude for all that you've done on a daily basis? And so, Lord, help us. Help us to lift our eyes upward, knowing that you are good and that you love and that you care. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, this particular passage has been where the Lord has taken me over the past several weeks. It's a passage I shared at prayer meeting several weeks ago, but it's a passage I continue coming back to week after week after week in moments where I say, Lord, why and how and what's going on? This passage continues to rise to the surface of my soul. And so as we begin this season of stewardship, uh, I believe that we as a church are in a season of stewarding this particular situation. And I want us to do that in light of this particular passage. 
And so in these moments where you think, what's going on in our church, what's happening, point yourself back to this passage and give you guidance for how we walk forward. In your own personal life, as you look at stewarding the seasons the Lord has given you, let it run and filter through this particular passage because it is a beautiful expression of what stewardship looks like in different seasons and also how we act and live in our daily life. So let me read this and then let's dive in together. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer every person. So you see in verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This is so closely parallel to exactly where we've been in Ephesians 6. Right, we finished Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And so here you have a, a, another statement by Paul to remind us, be alert, be on guard, be watchful. If you got nothing from the past three weeks of us being out in the parking lot talking about the armor of God, I pray that you walked out of there with a, a reality of being alert, being watchful, being on guard, being ready, being watchful and sober-minded. And here you have again Colossians chapter 4, continue steadfastly, being watchful, reminded in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When this most difficult hour has come upon Jesus where he knows what he's going to walk into. He brings his disciples around. And he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he reminds them the spirit is willing, but indeed the flesh is weak. What do the disciples keep doing but falling asleep? In this most desperate hour of prayer, the disciples are falling asleep. See, the Bible tells us as believers to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, because we know that there's an enemy who comes to seek to steal, kill, and destroy, that we've got to be watchful in prayer for what's happening. This week I talked about the sword of the Spirit. Many of you sent me pictures of your knife sharpeners and how you're out sharpening your knives and you're preparing and getting out ready to, to be whatever would come your way and analogy stuck with some of you that we've been fighting battles with a dull sword. How important it is that we sharpen our sword of the spirit and read it and dissect it and soak on it and live it so that we are ready with a sharpened sword. I'm afraid we, we may see prayer in the same vein. Maybe we see prayer not like a sharpened sword but like a gas tank in a car. And some of you have these amazing uh, gifts that God has given you. Your car is sitting empty with no gasoline. I mean, how foolish it would be today if you go to a car, get a car at a car dealership, you bring it home and you, you put it in the driveway and everybody's coming around to look at it and you say, look at this incredible car. It's got GPS, it can go anywhere. It's got these brand new tires or they're ready with the tread for anything that would come its way. They're ready to go. It's got the latest bells and whistles, air conditioner. This thing could travel long and far and this car is gonna be a great car for our future. You get in, you crank it up, and nothing happens. Get in, crank it up, nothing. At some point, somebody says, have you thought about putting some gas in it? 
Well, I didn't think about that. It's a brand new top of the line car. Got everything you need. GPS. Steering wheel. The two things that you press to go forward and stop. It's got everything that you could possibly need. There's a critical part in the car, the gasoline that drives the car, that takes the car, that lets the car go forward. And many of us as believers sit by idly while our beautiful gifts that God has given us in our bodies, beautiful calling that God has put on our life since empty and vacant because we don't fuel it with the power of prayer. We're sitting by with a dull sword and a car sitting on empty. Because we don't fill our hearts with the continue steadfastly in prayer. I'm scared some of us have simply just fallen asleep at the task of prayer. Maybe over time you've not seen the necessity, you've not seen the need, you've not seen the transformation happen, and so you just give up too soon and too early. Our calling from Colossians chapter 4 is to continue to move forward steadfastly. Continue pushing and continue praying earnestly. Don't give up praying. There's too much at stake for us to give up too early in prayer. Keep filling your tank. Keep filling your spirit with the necessity of prayer in your life. And then you do it. Beautifully, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And we've talked about this over and over as we study the book of Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything. That's the part where the audience would say, yes, we know that. I've heard that before. Do not be anxious about anything. Lord have mercy. Okay, come on, y'all. We're in a smaller venue here. It should be louder, reverberating off these walls here. Do not be anxious. With thanksgiving, right? That's the key point. With thanksgiving. Don't want to keep saying it. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard your heart in your minds, in Christ Jesus, with thanksgiving. You see a continual theme in Paul's heart as you're praying, as you are praying, you're doing it with a heart of thanksgiving. I tell you, there is maybe nothing more antithetical to the Christian life than a grumpy, ungrateful believer. Let me say that again. There may be nothing more antithetical to the reality of what Jesus has done in your life than a grumpy, ungrateful believer. And so what does that mean for us? It means that we walk forward with a spirit of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for the goodness of who you are. Lord, thank you for what you have done and continue to do. Lord, thank you, thank you. So we live in light and watchful with thanksgiving. Now I get it, there are moments where we surely don't thank the Lord for the hardships that we're facing. But we can surely thank the Lord. So what would you have to be thankful for today? You got nothing else. You got nothing on your plate. You got nothing to be thankful for. If you are a believer, then you thank the Lord for Romans 8, 1 and 2. That there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That should well up in you a heart of thanksgiving in your soul. Lord, thank you that even though the wages of sin is death, even though I deserve the penalty of death in my life, even though I deserve hell because of what I have done to sin against the most holy and high God. There is therefore now no condemnation. Not even a smidge, not even a microscope, not even a little bit of condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would that well enough? Anybody just, Lord, thank you 
I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I am a sinner. Sinner. Sin and falling short of the glory of God. And so for me to recognize that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I am in Christ Jesus, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. In fact, that we have breath in our lungs today. We woke up to a beautiful day. We always say, Lord, thank you. And so we're watchful in it with thanksgiving. We don't give up in our prayers. We don't say, Lord, I've prayed enough today. I think I'm done. And we're not ever thankful enough for all that he has done for us. There's nothing that we could do to ever repay what the Lord has done for us. And so we live in light of thanksgiving. So how could we as believers live in a way that is not thankful? How could we be known as grumpy, ungrateful people? What possible biblical mandate could we see for being ungrateful for what the Lord has done? We sang about it. Great things he hath done. Great things he is doing. And great things he will do. And so we continue singing that anthem to say, Lord, we're going to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And then verse 3. We want to camp out for just a moment because this is the, the, the cry and the the theme of my heart, what I've been praying over our church the past four or five weeks. Paul writes, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Paul gives us a stewardship moment. And he says, pray for us that the door of the gospel would open. As believers, is this not what we are on our knees constantly for? Is this not why you as a believer are on your knees? Lord, would you open the door of the gospel for the gospel to go forward? Would you just open it a little bit? As a church, this is what we're praying over our one. Lord, would you open the door? Give me an opportunity to share. We are praying earnestly as a church daily. Lord, open the door for the gospel to go forward. ask you as a member of this church over the past four or five weeks how many times have people asked you hey what's going on down there at your church has anybody gotten that question a couple times I mean it almost feels like as a kid I broke my arm four times two times here two times here one of which is my most embarrassing moment probably in my life and I'll leave that as a cliffhanger for later okay There is something that after the first few days where you just want to hang a sign on your body that just says, I broke my arm doing this. This is what happened, and I'm going to be fine. Everything's okay, right? You almost go through that like, just please, if you ask me again, I'm just going to lose it. But friends, here, the Lord has opened a door. I mean, I almost get so excited when somebody says, hey, what's going on down at your church? It's like, let's do this. Let me tell you about what God is doing at our church. The door has opened wide the gospel. So do you see that as an opportunity? Do you see that maybe for the first time in your life, people are coming to you saying, what's going on down there at the church? And you say, look at that door, wide open. I mean, you have shared with me how in your own lives, how in these past few days, the door of the gospel has opened to you and people that you have been praying for for years and years and years and years the door of the gospel has just swung open. You shared how people who were closed to Jesus in church have opened their heart to listen about what God is doing here. 
family members who have just turned their back on the church and to the gospel. Their, their, their hearts have been opened and the door of the gospel has been opened. I mean, you see it time and time and time again where we have had the opportunity to, to lift people towards Jesus as the door of the gospel has been opened. And so we are, as a church, in a moment, in a season of stewardship for each of us. And so I pray as people come to you and say, what's going down there? What's going on down there at your church that you would not say, we just had a fire, it was terrible, and we're having to meet outside, that you would say, let me tell you. Let me tell you what God is doing. Let me tell you about the good things that we see the Lord doing week after week after week after week that you would not miss the opportunity to say, let me see, that door is opening and let me tell you, let me tell you the good things the Lord is doing. We are in a moment of sacred stewardship at our church. And it's not just about a tithe that you give. It's about using the time, the talent, and the treasure, and the open doors the Lord provides for us to walk through. You better believe I wish the Lord would not have opened this door for us. better believe it. With all my heart, I wish that we were back in the main sanctuary doing the normal things that we love and hold so dear. But this is the moment the Lord has given our church. This is where we are. We're sitting in a 115-year-old sanctuary. After four weeks of worshiping outside, not knowing when we're going to be back in the rest of the building. This is the moment we're in. And so how will we individually steward the season to point people towards Jesus? So how do we respond with open doors? Well, first, we pray to God for him to open the doors. We know that the enemy is out there blinding the eyes of unbelievers. We understand that there's an enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We get the reality that there's an enemy out to steal, kill, and destroy the souls of man. And so we pray earnestly, God, would you open doors? Would you open doors of the gospel? Would you just give me open doors? Lord, would you open doors all around me? And I believe as we pray for open doors, the Lord will provide them. But we also need to pray, Lord, would you open my eyes to see the, op the open doors? Lord, would you open my eyes to see the open doors that are all around me? Would you give me the inroads and the open eyes to see them? But identification is only part of the problem. You take your, go to the doctor and they tell you what's wrong. That's only part of the problem. There's a moment where you have to decide what you're going to do with the problem. And so we pray that we would have eyes to see. But friends, I'm praying that we would have the boldness to walk through the open doors. As the Lord provides you open doors at your homes, at your jobs, with your families, with your friendships, as the Lord provides open doors for you, the question then becomes, will you take them? Will you take the open doors the Lord gives you? I believe through our church, he's opened a door, but I believe in your lives daily, the Lord opens doors. He opens doors for you to pray with people, love people, share the gospel with people. Put on a servant's apron and, and serve their brothers and sisters around you. The Lord gives us opportunities, but the question is, will we take up our mantle, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus, and humbly steward the season on the opportunity the Lord gives us? We steward every moment the Lord provides for us. But give us eyes to see, a mouth to speak, feet shod in the gospel of peace, ready to go and share and tell the good news of what Jesus is doing. I can also tell you there's another part of this. Paul writes at the same time, pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. We don't forget the fact that as Paul writes this, he's writing from 
prison. He's writing in one of his most difficult seasons, a hardship. He's writing, rejoice in the Lord. He's writing, pray earnestly, seek the Lord. You know what I find so interesting? Yes, this is a hard season for Paul, but Paul does not pray, Lord, get me out of here. You don't see Paul praying, Lord, get me out of jail. You know what you see him praying? Lord, get the word out of my mouth. Or let the gospel go forward. You don't see Paul saying, this is a hard situation, Lord. Would you open these prison doors and get me out of here? He says, Lord, get the word out of my mouth, not get me out of here. That's a hard reality. I'm not saying with, with ease that this is easy, that we say, Lord, take me from all the easy, take me to the easy places or take me out of the hard places. But we are praying earnestly, Lord, whatever season, the, the mountaintops and the valleys, whatever difficulty we face, Lord, not get me out of it. But Lord, would you help me get the word out of me to the lost world around me? I believe that our difficult seasons, our difficult challenges in our life, almost turn up the wattage of our gospel light for the world around us. When we face hardships and difficulties, I believe it opens wide the floodgates of gospel proclamation. Thinking back, my mom's birthday is this week. I haven't checked with my dad about this, but she passed away about four years ago, and before that, four years before that, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and I've shared her journey many, many a time. But I believe those four years between her diagnosis and her passing were likely her most effective years of ministry and sharing and telling the good news of Jesus that she had in her life. For four years, as she faced a difficult challenge, instead of grumbling and complaining and whining and all that, she decided to have that peace transferred to other people to tell and share the good news of what Jesus has done in her, to tell and walk other people through their hardships, to tell the good news about what God has done. Friends, hard seasons open the door to gospel proclamation. Hardships, difficulties, struggles, pains, and sorrows. As we steward those seasons well, friends, it shows what Jesus means in us and through us. Reality that this is not easy. Paul and others constantly said, stand firm in the strength of his might. That we daily stand firm in the Lord's might, not our own. See verses 4, 5, and 6 as we conclude this morning. My goal is that we would make it clear. That with clarity we would speak the good news of Jesus. That we would walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Because it takes wisdom as we walk in the world around us. Can I give verse 6 as your aim? Let your speech, as you walk through hardships, as you walk through good times and hard times, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. This past week, I went through the drive through line in our minivan and got everybody happy meals. Wonderful moment in our van, as always, when the happy meals come in. Got french fries, and there is something special about McDonald's french fries. <laughs> something special. Is that incredible amount of salt that they put on top that you can't just eat french fries without drinking something, right? I mean, it just chokes up all your salivary glands and you got nothing without a Coke or a glass of water right next to you. Those french fries, they're incredibly decadent, but they always point you to a glass of water. I mean, the same way, friends. We live and exist in the world, so our speech is seasoned with salt so that people would be thirsty for Jesus. 
They would so desire to hear and know Jesus that we would be so pure and integritous with our words, that our words would be so gracious and loving and kind that people would would taste our words and they would want more of Jesus. They would be drawn towards Jesus. So I pray that we would walk with wisdom towards outsiders, stewarding every moment of our time well. Into the mail, you probably got a stewardship card. On that card, you see three central areas. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. My prayer for us as a church is that we would steward the season that we're in well. And what that means is as a church, we don't just go out and steward a season. It it means each of us stewarding the season that we're in well. It means each of us taking that stewardship card and not looking at it and say, well, I'll just write a number down. It's taking it as a family or individually and say, Lord, in 2022, we're ready to serve. We're ready to go. We're ready to give like never before. I believe the Lord is at work in our church, and I believe he's at work because he's at work in you. He's at work in and through us. And so I pray as you take that stewardship card that it would be an act of worship for you. And we're going to be in this stakely sanctuary for the next several weeks. There's an old custom I heard many, many times that back in the day, it's always a good line, right? Back in the day, that we would come down and we would lay our stewardship cards at this altar. So I'm going to ask, as you go home and as you pray about it, many of you may have sent it in, maybe you mailed it in, maybe you did it online, but I want to ask, maybe you put that in the envelope and before the service, after the service, during the invitation, over the next three weeks, that you would prayerfully consider what is the Lord calling you to? And that you would check any of those boxes that you feel like, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to use my time to your glory. I'm ready to use my talent for your glory. And I'm ready to use my, my treasure for your glory. And I want you to come and lay those at this altar. Before the service, after the service, during the invitation. As a reminder that, Lord, we're submitting to your will and your calling, and we are ready to steward the season that you call us to. We pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, in this season of stewardship, you have brought us to a season. And the last thing that we want to do is steward this season poorly. We want to walk out of this season better more focused, more unified, more centered on your word than ever before. We do that by submitting ourselves to you, by holding our hands outstretched towards you and just saying, Lord, whatever you want from me, whatever you have for me, Lord, we are ready, I am ready to be used as a family, as an individual. Lord, I want to steward every moment I have well. As a father, I want to steward every moment with my kids well. As a grandparent, we want to steward every season with our grandkids well. Lord, would you help us make the best use of our time? You have blessed each of us in unique and incredible ways. Lord, we don't want to sit on those. We don't want to soak and sour, Lord. We want to be with a spirit of thanksgiving, go with with clarity and truth. So Lord, would you help us? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.